we're talking Lion Athletics. Each week, Tyler Thomas finds out what fuels their competitive fire. It's time for Coffee with Coaches on 90.9 The Lion. Welcome back to Coffee with Coaches. I've got a special guest here, Coach Michael Reeves, the head coach for uh, track and field here at Southeastern. And Coach, I'm happy to have you on. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So, Coach, we've uh, been emailing back and forth this week trying to set this up, and I'm glad it's finally happened. You guys have conference championships this week coming up, and obviously we're going to talk about that pretty extensively at the end of the podcast. But the big part of this podcast and what I really want to drive down is just coaching at a Division One level here at, you know, um, a smaller school, not necessarily the biggest school in the area, but a smaller school that – a school that we strive ourselves to be at a higher level than most schools at our size. And so how has your experience been as a coach at a D1 level? That's exactly right here at a mid-major is what we call it. But we are um, a higher level mid-major here at Southeastern where we have quality across the board from facilities to resources to now the athletes that we are able to recruit and build teams around it. And you see national level splashes just not only in track and field but in all sports across the board because of what you're talking about. Yeah, and we've got the nickname Title Town for a reason. I mean, they're starting to they're starting to rack up across. I know that you guys uh, have gotten four in the past couple years, conference championships, and then women's basketball's got one. They're looking to maybe build on a second one. Volleyball just got two back to back, and so starting to build that championship caliber pro, those championship caliber programs here somewhere that may not have had that type of experience in the past starting to build it here now. Most definitely, and it's so historic here in, tra- in the track and field community because we've had not only conference-level athletes here, but we've had probably more national-level athletes like Devin King, who was number five in the world, Slavko Stevic, high jumper, who jumped 225. He's 22 in the world. He went to uh, USA's last year. Alex Young, who is an Olympian, right? Um, we've had so many national level caliber athletes come through uh, Hammond America it's just allowing us to put um, to build those um, those steps brick by brick person by person um, our international community is huge we probably I probably have on the team um, 20 or so athletes from uh, all over the world I mean there there isn't a, a stone that we don't recruit from that's awesome, Coach. So one of the one of the questions I ask everybody, and I think it's so important. Obviously, you coached before you came here. What's kind of what's kind of your look at your history coming into coaching and then getting here? Well, it's so it's it's kind of funny because I was actually a student athlete here at Southeastern. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from Walker High School. I was a national level triple jumper and long jumper in high school. I was actually recruited by LSU and uh, Texas A and M. Um, I ended up choosing Southeastern to stay closer to home. Um, And so it was probably one of the strangest decisions, but best decisions of my life. So actually graduating from here in 2012, um, I I was a native to come Mm -hmm. back home. My first coaching job was at actually uh, 2013 under Heather Van Norman at Nichols. Um, um, I went to high school, and then when Coach Brady took the job at Texas A&M, um, I became the assistant coach here as Corey Mastretta became the head coach in 2017. So it was just a full circle trip for me to come back home and um, really work a system that um, that taught me everything that I know. 
Well, that's awesome, Coach. You talked about it. Uh, Coach Mistretta stepped up, and then eventually you got the opportunity to step up as an assistant to become the head coach. And how does that experience elevate you as a head coach, knowing how it goes from one level to another? Yeah, I would say Coach Brady and Coach Mistretta did an awesome job of building coaches around you. You're As a coach, as a leader, you're only as strong as the quality of the people that are around you. And if the people around you are not prepared to step up, it's because you're not doing your job as a leader. And those guys were amazing, especially Coach Mistretta, at giving opportunities and situations that were strenuous, that were hard, um, raising the bar, the expectation, requiring things of you that may not have seemed fair, but it prepared you for such a time as this. And so um, I'm so glad that I had the experience that I did because it made me ready. Um, those those challenges, those experiences um, allowed me to build um, a program in my mind that mm-hmm. when it was my turn to step up that I can actually put pen to paper. And that's one of the things about, you know, you're stepping up from an assistant position so you know what it's like to be an assistant coach. You know what it's like to be under someone so you have now that ability to help them out as the head coach and lead them in a different direction or the same direction. That's exactly right because as an assistant, the type of assistant you will be, you're probably going to get those types of assistants when you become a head coach. And a head coach really needs someone to help them fill in the gaps, uh, help them accelerate uh, any void, uh, make things better when you have a vision and a plan that you're trying to execute. Um, And my team is so big. We're the second largest team in in, in, in a school. Track and field is just historic that way from high school and college. It's always the second largest team behind football. In some places, it's the largest team because track and field teams can go up to 150 people on um, on a roster um, because we're six sports, men and women, cross-country, indoor, outdoor. So you have three on the men, three on the women. So you have six sports that are just covered by um, that set of coaches. So, yeah, it, it's, 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 um, it was awesome to know what it's like to be an assistant coach. I know how those guys think. I know what an assistant coach needs. I also know that assistant coaches um, play from – behind the eight ball there's just there's a deck of cards and information that they just don't have that mm-hmm. you receive as a head coach head coaches shield assistant coaches from lots of work and duties and things like that so yeah it, it, it's um it's a unique situation and I am definitely enjoying it um it's it's been really really good so that's awesome one of the questions that I asked coach Hayes on the last episode because you guys are one of the I, I guess the only two sports here that are independent in this situation where you guys are a team obviously but your sports are more individually played I mean maybe you have like a relay or something but most of the things that you do are individually like you're running by yourself you're jumping by yourself how do you as a coach kind of bridge that together to bring them together but also elevate each other to work on their own games yeah we are definitely a team of individuals Um, It is a unique situation because the team can't be good if the individual isn't good. Individual championships is what is actually focused on here. Um, 
Um, so the team concept to win a championship is important, but like like you just said, it is very very much uh, so different here in track and field. Because um, even if the team doesn't win, an, an individual can. An individual can go to nationals. An individual can win a national championship, and even mm-hmm. if the team does not. So um, it is different. Um, I do like Phil Jackson. I coach personalities because the. Um, the uh, higher the personality, usually the higher the performance. So you have to know how to coach both, meet people where they are. Um, don't take away their swag nor their individuality, um, uniqueness on the track. That's awesome. I love to hear that because, you know, sometimes the team aspect gets lost. And I guess in nowadays in the NIL era and the, you know, you people are focusing more on their name, image, and likeness and who they are as a person. And that's kind of gone out of the way, but in some sports, the team would get lost mm-hmm. in like, and so hearing that you know you, there's a good balance there is you know definitely for the people who are listening that may not know about the track and field program, definitely may want to start tuning in, and be like, hey, let's learn about some of these, let's learn about some of these personalities because I de- I can definitely tell you some of them are interesting. Yeah, and then that so um, as when I choose a meet that's best for the team, a great situation. It just happened. I mean, you're getting this f- fresh off the press. So we were scheduled indoors to go to Nashville to the uh, Music City Challenge. However, after going to the Birmingham Crossplex, which is where our conference championship's going to be, we took a trip there on um, January 19th. The team needed to go back um, because they needed more experience on the bank track. Um, individual need, individuals needed more experience in their individual um uh, sections um, such as throwing, jumping, just learning that facility. So as a head coach, I just made the decision to uh, scrap the Nashville meet and go back to the Birmingham, and it helped the team. It also helped individuals. But there was there were some um, unique individuals that may have done better individually by going to the Music City Challenge, and so um, that was a team um conversation I had to have with those athletes, um, my 800-meter runners to be specific, um, at higher elevation on that flat 300-meter track versus a 200-meter bank track, right? Um, it's just, it makes a difference in track and field. So that's where the, the majority of the team individually would have done better in Birmingham versus the majority of the team collectively doing better in Nashville. So, um, it, it was uh, it just this is something that we deal with all the time. That's awesome. And that kind of brings me to another question that I had. And I'm glad you mentioned that you guys almost I know with cross country and some other instances, you may not know the elements that you're going into. You may not know exactly what you're going into to see not just who you're going against, but what's going to be what you're running on or what you where you're throwing or whatever it is. And so how do you as a coach, you know, kind of, I guess, bring it round and make it to where you're well-rounded or are you like you're running you know this area or that area or making sure that you're where you need to be yeah competitions in track and field are never against others we compete against the clock we compete against distances um if you only can compete against the level of competition that you're going to see in a meet you like you just said you you may not know because even though we may expect the team to put in their best athlete individually you don't know who is struggling with what 
Um, sometimes athletes are struggling with injuries, sickness, um, between this flu-like um, episode that we just had where a lot of people were expecting me to bring some great runners, but a couple of them were out where we brought the collective team. But due to sickness, people just couldn't go. And if you were expecting to run a great race based off of me bringing one person, then that just tanked your entire um uh, method, right? Mm -hmm. So we as track and field have to compete against distances and times. When you get on that track, when you enter into the oval, when you get into your element, you are trying to be excellent, executing on everything that you have done in practice. As I tell them, it's not a light switch, it's a lifestyle. You can't be something in a track meet that you're not every single day in practice. Um, you can't mediocre uh, mediocrely um, operate at 85% every day and then in track and field expect to go operate at 100% or above 100%. Now you're operating in a realm that you have never been in, you've never trained, you don't know um, what's happening on those other 20 percentiles right mm -hmm. so um it, it's not a light it's not a life a light switch it's a lifestyle that you must live every day if you're excellent every day at the track it's easy for you to be excellent every day in competition if you're not excellent every day in practice and execution then it's a 50 50 right it's just a crapshoot sometimes you show up sometimes you don't and you never know and that's the difference between champions and those that are just almost well, that's awesome. You mentioned champions. You guys, four conference championships since you've arrived. How do you keep that level of success every single day? And I you guess I guess you just mentioned it. You just keep working and make sure you're being the most excellent self. That's right. And it's a level of recruiting. We have to make sure the pool of athletes that we are choosing. And this used to be a thing at Southeastern. Um, when we were in my time, we used to have to choose the excellent athletic athletes that may not have been excellent in life that mm -hmm. may not have been excellent in the classroom and which is why the mission statement for the athletic department is so core as a coach if they can't be excellent in all three simultaneously they are not going to help you get to that next dimension that we're trying to get to they're 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 usually one-dimensional athletes where you can't count on them because they're going to mm -hmm. cause you a problem in some type of way where an athlete that is either excellent in the classroom but can't show up in competition due to anxiety or an athlete that is excellent in competition but um, can't show up in the classroom, right? Or if they're showing up in the classroom in competition but they're bad in the community and so then they're in half out of um, – out of track and field, out of school issues that that will distract them, right? So um, that mission statement is the core principle on how we recruit, how you have to build each and every athlete. If they can't be excellent in the classroom, in the community, and in competition simultaneously, not one at a time, you, you can't you can't bring them here. You got to find people that are great on all three levels. And that's the mission. That's how we've been doing it. That's how I've been taking this approach from across the world internationally. My athletes come from Cyprus, um, uh, Slovenia, uh, Serbia. Um, we've had uh, athletes from Israel, all of the Bahamas, Canada, uh, you name it. They come from all over the world. But excellence is key. That's awesome. Coach. Something I wanted to talk about, and you talked about it, how many athletes you've had as All-Americans, conference champions, people who have been at that level. Some of the names that I mentioned, Rodney Ruffin, Shea Foster, a couple that All-Americans, yeah. yeah. champions. 
how do you, you know, you bring them in, you coach them up, and obviously, you know, you keep that success going. When it comes to recruiting, how difficult is that? I guess you're not looking for those, you're looking for people who do all three. But when you find someone like that, what kind of impact does that bring to the program? Oh, man, it's a, it's an amazing impact. People are talking about tra- Southeastern track and field in places where our feet have never been mm-hmm. due to the excellent nature of people like that you just mentioned, Rodney Ruffin, um, Shea Foster, Bradley McAvero, um, 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 uh, Devin King. So many names. I, it's, I can't even name them all, mm-hmm. even when I was in school, when Biggs was here. Um, those types of athletes um, leave an everlasting impact, which is why it's so important. And I, I preach this to my athletes all the time, the footprints in the sand. Um, you don't know the experience that you have is not only for you, but it's for those that come after you and you have a duty and a responsibility to leave this place better than how you found it. Make sure that those that come behind you um, have a legacy that they have to live up to, um, standards that they have to live up to, excellence in all three areas. So um, that it's so impactful to have great athletes on that level. Um, it's And it's great to go to competitions because small schools like us, when we go to national level meets and to Power 5 meets, those Power 5 coaches and athletes come and talk to our athletes as if they're one of them. Mm-hmm. And so um, before Transfer Portal, it was cool. With Transfer Portal, it is scary. Just, <laughs> it, it is like no, don't go over there and make friends. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. But uh, people love Southeastern. People love Hammond America because when you st- every time I've been on, I don't have to sell this school. Every time someone's been on a recruit um, v- or recruiting visit here, they say this is the nicest, most professional, most homish place mm-hmm. that I've ever been, and they feel at an elite level of home and so that's um that's how um that's it it just it does it 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 takes care of itself and you know every single every single time I talk to any coach or any athlete it's all about you know southeastern feels like home Hammond America feels like home and even if they're I mean Serbia or wherever they're from they're home here and that's that that's I mean I can't imagine as a student athlete how good that would feel now, and, you know, uh, um, um, kudos to Dr. Wainwright, even when Dr. Crane was here. But Dr. Wainwright's motto that he's always said to me is we're in this together. And it was like that even with Dr. Crane. But it's just exacerbated now where mm-hmm. if I have a recruit and I walk into the business office um, and I did this with um, two recruits that just popped in on me, um, um, the dean. And I didn't even know it was the dean. She was the Mm -hmm. dean. She took us on the visit. And she was so excited and passionate about the program and about what Southeastern has to offer. That passion sold the athletes in a way that I didn't even know exist. Mm -hmm. Um, That love for Southeastern and and not caring about her title as the dean, but just being a passionate lion, right? That's the type of Hammond America home feeling that – is made throughout this place. When I go to the library, the library tour is amazing, people. I don't know how many people are going (laughs) on the library tour, but it is awesome. But the director will come out and just love to talk about their passion. And it just, it makes athletes feel so much at home. However, 
it's on such an elite level here. We have such an elite school in all areas. The excellence here with um, even the age of some of our buildings, and they still look brand new. There are other facilities and other schools that we travel to with newer construction, and it can't even compare to what we have here at Southeastern. So um, it's just it's a sense of pride that we have here that athletes and um, all people feel that um, that just makes me proud, um, as my grandmother used to say, happy, glad. I love that. <laughs> Coach, you were a Division One athlete yourself, and you talked about that. And how does that experience of you being here and doing what they're doing now help you coach them or elevate your coaching to the next level? It gives me a leg up. It makes me a better coaches than others that were not on this level. Um, high school coaches, and no shot to anybody, but mm-hmm. anyone that has to transform up uh, or come up from high school but never had a Division One experience doesn't really know. They um, they can guess, but they don't understand um, the how those athletes have to exist and the different levels of of, of just elevation. Mm-hmm. And there are some things as being a high profile athlete that we have to understand when you're a high profile person. It doesn't make you a bad person because you're more high profile. It just means we have to understand how to take care of both, right? And so being on that level, being a Division One athlete that traveled the country, that was an all time regional athlete, um, you have to know how to talk to them. You have to know how to um, coach their personalities. You have to know the difference between disrespect and just passion. And if you are, um, if you've never been in this situation and you confuse one or the other, it's people won't want to surround themselves with you. And I think it's been one of the greatest advantages that I've had with surrounding myself with so many uh, nationally calibered athletes, because they know I know um, I, I understand when they're passionate and they have leeway. I know when they're selling me a, a bunch of junk <laughs> and I've, I've been there. And so they yeah. know they can't sell me that. Right. Because I know yeah. I, I know. So um, it, it's it's so great. And um, it builds a bond and a respect that um, we all respect each other and um, and don't try to pull wool over each other's eyes. That's amazing. Coach, looking forward to conference this weekend as we're getting closer to wrapping up. What do you expect out of the weekend? I'm expecting um, championships are different, right? Uh, Conference championships are different. Um, A lot of people are dealing with different situations from injury to sickness to um, some people had their best meet at LSU or the previous Birmingham meet and now are feeling something um, as we go into the championship season and lots of teams will count themselves out because when you look at your team, you're like, man, I see some gaps and some holes. The prob- the the wisdom is everyone is. There isn't mm-hmm. a team in the Southland that is that does that's not experiencing some type of adversity. Um, like I preach to my team, champions are made of those who overcome adversity. You have to be able to take whatever situation you're in, whatever you're feeling and complete the task. Do your job. I, everyone, track and field is is um, it's like a factory. Um, it's um, my motto is you have to do your job in order for us to win a championship. If you individually do not do your job, uh, Terrell Webb, who is also on the cusp of going to indoor nationals, and I don't know if people understand indoors, but the indoor national pool of all of the schools from California 
to Texas, to Washington, D.C., to Missouri, and to Wisconsin, right? Or mm-hmm. all the way up north as high as you can get. Every single Division One school, Indoor National takes the top 16 in the entire country. To be a top 16 contender in the entire country, north, south, east, west, is just a huge accomplishment for a power five. There are power fives that are not this good. Yeah. Right. And we have uh, athletes that are on the cusp of doing it. And we've been to indoor nationals time and time again, time over and over again. Right. Slavko went last year to in and outdoor um, this year. He and Terrell have a, 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 a legitimate chance to be top 16 in the country. And so I preach to everyone, you have to do your job. Um, we can't win a championship if Terrell doesn't do his job. We can't win a championship if Slavko doesn't do his job. And even those that can't be first, you need to score. Um, you're not allowed to bow out or quit just because you're not able to um, achieve what you wanted to achieve. You still have to do your job and complete the task because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen in a race so or, or in a field event. So um, that's my big speech and spill on that to them. I love that. You mentioned Terrell Webb. He was actually my next topic. He just got the third weekly uh, award the Southeastern's got this year. He was the Athlete of the Week, third of the year, and you've gotten it through three different athletes. How do you feel about your depth going into conference? Uh, I'm, we, are, we are a complete team. Um, some teams with scholarships. So track and field is an equivalency sport. Um, baseball is an equivalency sport, which means it's different than football, which is a headcount sport. So football has as many scholarships for the amount of people that are on their roster. So every last one of them get a full scholarship. The equivalency sports like track and field, we actually only get 12.6 scholarships. 12.6 scholarships we divided among between 38 to 40 men. Right. Um, So between 38 to 40 men, we take 12.6 scholarships and we piecemeal and pay people based off of their level. And when you score more points and as people graduate, that money shifts around as in a pool. So you're always earning your keep. Right. So that's the unique nature about track and field. And I only say that because Terrell Webb came to Southeastern as a walk on. He came to Southeastern as a walk on javelin thrower, to be exact. Um, His father was a a great uh, athlete, and his mother is a Canadian Olympian. So he comes from great stock, um, and he just struggled in the javelin. He just struggled, and all of a sudden through coaches changing and his, um, his determination to work hard, he then became a weight thrower. Um, so if, if you think of Hammer, if you've ever seen Matilda and you know the mm-hmm. principal, those things that she was swinging around, those are hammers, right? Um, indoors, we throw a shorter version of that with a bigger ball um, with, with not such a long wire, but it's more of the handle connected directly to the ball, and we call it a weight. And so Terrell has mastered from throwing a javelin, if you know what a javelin is, what if you've seen 300, a spear, right? They're mm-hmm. throwing it far from far, um, you know, like 200 feet or more, right? Um, That's what he was doing. And so those athletes are just built different than those that can throw a weight or a hammer. And he's revolutionized himself and worked so hard that he's become the leading person in the Southland Conference and almost top 16 in the nation in a completely different event. That's amazing. That's awesome. He went from a walk-on to a full scholarship athlete. 
Not one dime was given. He earned every single penny. Um, He never quit. And it was hard. He's an international, which means he doesn't qualify for student loans. He doesn't qualify for certain aids and grants that Americans get when they go to school. And if they decide they don't want it, they can reapply, get a fresh amount of money and continue anywhere they want. Internationals don't have that ability. They are here just on their own. Their families are struggling to send them money just to make ends meet. And Terrell stuck it out. And he is, I mean, he's a poster child. I wish someone could write a story on him. It, I mean, it's it's amazing to see how he came up from from nothing to being the top dog on our team and one of the leading throwers. And that's that's an understatement. Southeastern has amazing throwers in its history, mm-hmm. um, and Terrell's going to be one of them. That's awesome, and I love hearing that, Coach. Final thoughts before you go to Birmingham this weekend, and if you have any message for the fans listening about the program or just him in America, what do you got? Um, don't. Don't underestimate small support. I always tell the story of how um, a meal, an inexpensive meal, was one of the reasons why star athletes on recruiting visits chose to stay and -hmm. become a part of the team, allowing a coach to give an athlete a T-shirt or an extra pair of shoes when they train and run just from $50. It goes a long way where then we build and support athletes, and then based off that support, athletes go and do great things, and now I'm able to recruit even better athletes. It was just $50, but now we have a generational turnaround where we can build the program here in Hammond, America. So as we go into conference, support for all sports, as little or as big as it is, it is so important. It is crucial, and if we continue to support like we have here in Hammond, America, it's been amazing, but um, if we can continue to do it, it will continue to allow us to make this place as special as it is and take it to higher heights and deeper depths. That's awesome. This is an awesome sit-down talk, Coach. I'm glad you came on. Coach Michael Reams, head track and field coach. This has been Coffee with Coaches. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Line up. Thank you for joining us. If you missed any part of today's show, you can listen on demand at our website, lionupradio.org. The podcast version is also available for download from Amazon, Google, Spotify, and TuneIn.